Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, welcome to To the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. I am Carolyn Ford, standing in for Erica, and joined as always by Eric Trexler. Hey, Eric. Good morning, Carolyn. I almost said Erica. <laughs> I that would not be a, a slight at all. So today, um, I'm excited that we're joined by Tom Miller. He's the CEO of Clearforce. Welcome, Tom. Yeah. Good morning. Thank you. So, Tom, you have a deep background in in risk management, the credit business. Um, Quite, quite extensive, right? That's correct. So I started my career as a banker for J.P. Morgan Chase and their risk management and analytics um, function. Nice. So, Tom, I actually wanted to jump right into like, the topic of the day, which is COVID-19. I mean, I've seen a lot of reports about, you know, phishing attacks and apps that are infected, fakes, everything. And I'm just wondering how you've seen things change in the insider threat world since we've had COVID-19 as part of our world? Yeah, that's no, a great question. I mean, I think like maybe everything today, um, ev- everything's changed, right, in the last two weeks um, or so. And I think from an employer and employee perspective, um, you know, it's this sudden transition from office to telecommuting and, and remote work. And you've got a lot of organizations that have that in their DNA. I mean, they're, they're used to having um, employees that work remotely from home or in remote locations. We have a lot of organizations that that's brand new. And I think it's a bit of a shock to the system um, from an organizational perspective who now needs to think through all those capabilities required to not only enable employees to be productive, but to find new ways to communicate and engage with individuals that they used to see on a daily basis. Yeah, Tom, I, I, I almost feel like nothing's changed as it relates to the insider threat, but everything's changed at the same time, right? We have a lot more people working from home. The psychology of it is different. Before you used to work from home because you chose to, you wanted to. You could go out at night with your friends for social activities, ball games, drinks, dinner, whatever. Now you're at home. You might be at home with a spouse. You might be at home with the kids. Um, but you're working from home just like you always did. But I, yeah. I think a lot's changed. So so my favorite meme, honestly, I always work from home, Tom. And I have for years. And my favorite meme was one that's come up that said, when you find out your lifestyle is called quarantine. So, But for me, <laughs> the mental part of it, even though this is my day-to-day and has been for years, just knowing that I can't go to my friends, like we get together and have a social hour every Monday night and I can't do that. And there was that mental part. And then I don't know if you, you probably heard in Utah, which is where I am last week, we had an earthquake. And I will tell you the emotional and mental toll on, on us in Utah was, I cried. I sat down and cried after that earthquake. Right. 
So Tom, from an insider threat perspective, I mean, the world's changing, right? We have a lot more people working from home. How do you see it from a risk management perspective around the insider threat? What's different? Well, so, I mean, let's start with the premise that nobody wakes up on Monday and decides to commit crime, right? So if you're an insider, there's always um, underlying factors that take who, what is a trusted, productive individual within the workforce and somehow have now moved them into a spot where they actually may commit crime against the organization, right? I mean, that's a big leap from the time they walk through the door until now they're, you know, a threat to the organization. So things okay. change and things happen. And, and I think a big part of that is, is related to stress and problems that that individual has that the organization's not aware of. And now let's, you know, now let's put it in this context. You've got folks that used to show up for work um, in an office and have interactions, had personal interactions with their colleagues, with their supervisors, their managers. Now all of a sudden they don't. And back to this point, you're, you're all by yourself, right? And the, the level of stress and the, uh, that literally everybody's facing at some point or at some level today, I mean, it's crazy. And unfortunately, you don't have that same one-to-one interaction. Um, so the level of engagement, the, the risk that you've got a, a, an individual that, um, you know, is, is now maybe accelerating some personal challenge that they're facing, sure, that creates massive amounts of risk for the organization. What does an organization do about it? Uh, you got to figure out how, so number one, you have to over-communicate. So you have okay. to fundamentally change the way you're communicating with your staff. Secondly, you got to figure out how to engage employees. Um, again, that's, that's more challenging, and I don't think it can be passive. It used to be a little bit easier, it was easier, um, to engage individuals when you could walk down the floor or stick your head in their office or their cube. Can't I do it all the time. Right? Hey, how's it going today? What's going on? Why didn't you do this? I mean, all the time, it's so easy. Now it's hard. It, right. So that it was almost, you didn't have to think about it. Now you got to get conscious and you got to set that stuff up and be more structured. And you got to figure out how to get feedback from teammates and uh, colleagues and coworkers. Do you have a way to capture that? Do you have a way to efficiently and effectively get feedback that, that there may be somebody on the team who's not doing so well. And what, what signs are you looking for? You know, Caroline described the earthquake. She described lockdown. She can't socialize. I know Caroline is a very social person. Those are risk ratings or, or flags for me. Like, but we have, we have thousands of employees across the, uh, the country, the globe, going through this constantly. What do you look for? Yeah, I mean, I've used the word engagement a couple of times because I think it matters. And I, I would start there. Are, are you picking up on behaviors that are indicative that somebody's checking out? Um, or, or is it attendance related? Is it, you know, they're showing up for video calls or conference calls and they're, not, they're no longer participating. They don't seem to have any passion for the project that they're working on. They're missing deadlines, right? Like that's the basic blocking and tackling. And then you can go beyond that. Um, are they, is there, um, inappropriate behavior that's taking place? Are there comments being made Are there statements or their email communications that are going out to coworkers or customers or, or, are there an expression of negativity in an inappropriate way? And how do you, do you have the means to pick up on it? And most importantly, get it into leadership within the organization so somebody can do something about it. 
And then when we're remote, I mean, Carolyn, yeah, not to pick on you, but you know, how do we how do we make sure you're getting what you need? Yeah, I'm not a threat, Eric. Remote? I not know a you're not a threat. I know you're not. But, <laughs> but it's you know, it's not just about the threat. But for 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 the for people who who could become problematic, what you know, what yeah, type and- of programs? What do we do? Yeah, and, and I, you know, you were saying, Tom, sorry, um, you know, check in on these people. And and that's a lot easier, like you said, when we're in the office and, you know, in our smaller groups. But when we're talking about thousands of employees, I mean, how do you check on these indicators? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, and this is an opportunity for <clears throat> technology to play a role, right? So we work with customers today where, you know, you're, pro- you're trying to proactively alert um on concerning behaviors, not on all behavior, right? But concerning behaviors. Think about even individuals that you've got thousands of employees and you got folks that now have a completely different um, uh, daily structure. They're getting in trouble, right? Like are people running into, are they, are they having criminal activity that's occurring that you're not aware of? Or employees, um, you know, getting arrested for drunk driving or, you know, are they doing things right now um, that clearly are out of context to, um, who they were within the workplace, but now all of a sudden the, the behavior is different. Do you have a way to pick up on that? Where we talked of, you know, before, just even, um, you know, if we go back to stress, financial stress right now is a big deal for everybody. I mean, you have, um, right. right. I mean, you have uh, mm-hmm. folks that are having incomes reduced. You're having uh, couples where uh, families where maybe the spouse has become unemployed. Um, for people who just lost a ton of money in the market right now. Yeah, Huge but, stress. Their retirement. But I, so, but what I'm hearing, Tom, kind of gets into touchy areas for me. Like you're talking about monitoring outside of the work the workplace, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Financial. Um, like Yeah, absolutely. So so it's both, right? Like I think the biggest and and I mean our our advice and and the way we work with customers today is start make sure you've got a good way to capture all that internal information in an effective way. Like that, that's blocking and tackling, right? Making sure that you've got appropriate in, internal incident capture uh, where people can report concerns um, so that positive actions can be taken by management. And are, are companies and employees warming up to that idea? Because I know it's been, like I said, it we're, we're, we're walking on shaky ground here. Well, so... They are. And I think that clearly organizations need to the organizations need to partner with with their employee base on any type of insider risk or security program they put together. And I'll tell you, the starting point almost always is with employee consent. Right. That that is foundational. And I think that it's very difficult to have an effective security or insider risk program today where you're not building it on a foundation of employee privacy and ensuring the protection of every employee's rights. Like nobody wants to do that. Um, Nobody wants to step on individuals' rights. Nobody wants to walk outside of legal compliance on any of this. And again, one of the real key starting points tends to be employee consent, where you're you're actually, you're, you're explaining to individuals within the organization what and why you're doing to, to create a safe environment inside um, or for the organization largely. 
So, so let's switch gears slightly to continuous evaluation because I feel like we're, we're, we're touching on continuous evaluation or what people know as CE right now, hot topic in the DOD space where you know, even though you have employee consent when it comes to security clearances, background checks, and everything else, um, you know, the IG is very, the, the legal teams are very, very sensitive around what they collect on and how. Talk to us about how CE could help us here or not. You know, what are the strengths, limitations? Yeah, so I think the the concept of a static point in time assessment of risk makes no sense, right? It's almost becoming outdated to think that I'm going to look at a, an individual's um, behavior at a single point in time and determine whether I have risk as a result of that. Meaning that once every seven yeah, that, yeah, that was like, baffling to me that when I got my clearance, they're like, okay, we'll check in in five years. And another thing they zeroed in on, I had to have an in-person interview because I had lived in Northern Ireland. And I'm like, really? This was 15, 20 years ago. And you're worried about my ties to Northern Ireland? I, I understand why, but the continuous vetting makes a lot more sense to me. No, that's exactly right. I mean, not only is it static point in time, but it's looking backwards and it's picking up on information that occurred, to your point, 15 years ago. I mean, put it in the context of criminal justice reform, right? Like we got a lot of people and then a lot of people that don't get jobs today because of um, a nonviolent- crime 30 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and that individual or lots of those individuals are probably fundamentally different people today. But this is this concept of look today and look backwards. So that's where CE, that's why CE matters. That's why it just is, it's just a better approach on every level to look at the behavior of an individual on an ongoing basis and limit it. Limit it to only those things that are actually, that matter, right? So that, that's another important component of, of CE is rather than searching for negative information about people, and trying to look and find things that you are worried about, why don't you predefine what those activities or behaviors or occurrences are up front? And the only time you ever become aware of them is if they happen, right? So if you're worried about somebody being convicted of a felony crime, then become alerted when it happens. You don't need to spend your time searching through it. Or another good example would be on the back to financials and, and the sensitivity of it. Nobody wants your, your employer combing through your financial information, right? It feels intrusive. Intrusive, wants, very. Super intrusive, right? And you don't want your employer looking at how you spend, where you spend, how you shop. I mean, nobody wants that. But what does an employer, particularly in this um, DOD security clearance place, hey, you have somebody that's on a fast path to financial stress. That's a problem, right? Can you create, you know, you have the ability to really limit what you're, what you're receiving. And this isn't to say somebody that's got good credit or bad credit or somebody that's missing credit card bills, but you have somebody that's on a rapid track to, to um, foreclosing on homes and having their cars repossessed. And boy, if you could step in front of that quickly and help them, give them, you know, help them with credit counseling, help them with positive actions that can course correct something before it really gets to a situation that's difficult yeah. to work out of. I love, I love that, Tom. I love that the help part. So my good friend, uh, 
Mike Tice works for Carnegie Mellon and he's been in the insider threat business forever. And that's, that's how is how he positions it, you know, like save this employee. You, you don't want to lose a good employee. So let's step in and intervene and, and, and help. And so, but are you seeing agencies embrace this on a broad level, the, the CE? Yeah, I mean, I know DOD struggling with it. So outside of DOD, who, who's trying to decide which side of the line to walk, how does like a Veterans Administration or a HUD or a Department of Energy or a commercial account, how, how do they understand what, what my criminal record looks like or my driving record or my financial record? Yeah, you know what? So, you, and you're actually hitting on a super important point. Most of these organizations don't struggle with the data. They struggle with how to protect its use once it's once it's received. Right. right. Everybody. That's where the, the challenge on adoption, the challenge on use all deals with the fact that can I put the legal guardrails in place to make sure that once the information is uh, is received, that the proper actions are taken that won't get the organization in trouble and create more liability and are not somehow going to stamp on the um civil liberties of the individuals underneath. That, let's that's just, the key. So they, let's they assume did. I'm, go ahead. I was going to say data is easy at some level. I mean, there's, right. there's a lot of information out there that can be brought into an organization. It's not discovering the information. It's what happens and how you action that information in a compliant way thereafter. So I'm working for, I don't, I don't know, I'm working for treasury. Right, I have access to really sensitive information on the American people, potentially foreign countries, whatever. And how, how did you know? How would Treasury pull this data in on me? Would they have to have my concurrence? Why would I give them my concurrence to pull in financial data or criminal background data? So, they, so for for almost all financial information, you absolutely, as an individual, need to provide consent. Right. And okay. so had, had, so they need consent in order to look at this information because you're protected under FCRA, bottom line. Yep. The reason you would do it is um, from an organizational perspective, there, your access creates risk. And you, that access, certainly if it's the classified information, means you have a clearance, means that as a result of that information, um, you know, you, you, have, you have essentially given the government consent through CE to, to be able to look at that information. It's not classified. If it's just confidential data, if it's financial information or sensitive information that's unclassified, again, all that has risk. And I think what we tend to find is organizations that have individuals that have access to highly sensitive information or significant financial data, those job roles understand that they're different than an average job. Okay, so really what you're saying is, depending on the role, depending on the organization, they may need to change their policies and say, hey, we're going to start collecting this information on you. In the role you're in, you have access to sensitive information and we need to do continuous evaluation. We want your concurrence. If you don't concur, that's fine, but this isn't the job for you. That's I, think, I think you hit on a really good point here. Anytime you're talking about continuous evaluation, the concept of one size fits all makes no sense. And I think that's where you're going to get a breakdown in adoption and buy-in by the employee base is if you are trying to solve across the organization or across multiple companies, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because each company has different levels of um, intellectual property, sensitive data, uh, et cetera. Each company has different jobs and, and, 
and the risk that an individual re uh, represents to the organization is absolutely a function of their access. Do, do they have access to classified data? Do they have access to financial data? Do they have access to sensitive information? Somebody working in a marketing department probably is a significant, significantly different risk than somebody that has password access control within IT. That's such right. an important, important point that all roles are not equal. We cannot do a blanket solution for this. I mean, Carolyn, would you sign over your, you know, rights to uh, have the company look at your criminal record, your background record, your your financial data, your credit record, or your credit I mean, report? I grew up with Raytheon, and so yes, I mean, I I expect that to be part of my job, and I expect, and and I, I'm always interested to hear that millennials. I expect they expect to be monitored and I expect to be monitored as part of my job. And no, I don't think they expect to be monitored. They recognize they, know they are, yeah. they throw everything out there and they don't really care. But if they were asked specifically, I think at least my kids would be like, no, thanks. Yeah. But Just because they can. Oh, you do have millennials and Gen Z's, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, my kid, my kid's a Gen got Z. Them all, and, Tom, I got them all. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he's in a fishbowl. Like he doesn't put anything out there. He's very yeah. locked down. So, but yeah, I mean, I would, but like I said, I, I, I came into this business in the insider threat under the insider threat role. And so it was just something that. Yeah. So you're okay. Not a great example, but, but yeah, so, but, well, but, but I think an important one, right? Because I, I think that the, uh, the use of continual evaluation is industry specific and job specific at some level. Like if you're in government contracting, if you are in, financial services, if you are uh, have a transportation role, you fundamentally understand that your driving records are something that are going to be evaluated. It's DOT requirements, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're in healthcare. So I think the bigger question becomes if you start to get into industries where that's not the norm, you talk about perhaps manufacturing or retail or some of these other segments of the economy where, you know, you can get a job um, working at, uh, a hotel where they not, may not run a background check. And, and for us, I, I think we find a lot of correlation there. If you're, okay. if you're doing pre-hire background checks today, then the concept of continual evaluation is just an extension. If you're not doing any pre-hire background checks, then this is a whole new, a whole, a whole new concept and a whole new policy that the organization's getting their head around. Now, as, as we're wrapping up here, I, I think that's a great point, right? Most companies, many companies, I should say, are doing background checks. I think a lot of, of, of employees, of candidates, are, are fine with a background check when they're getting a job. We almost need to change the policy as employers. Hey, we're going to do a background check, and we also, for, for you to be employed here, we want to do some level of continuous evaluation, which will look like X, Y, and Z for these roles. We need to change policy. Yeah, I agree. Fair, Tom? Agree? Disagree? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And go back to my comment on uh, criminal justice reform. Like, it's better. It's, it's not necessarily just better for the organization. It's better for individuals, too. To not, you know, you're not being graded on what happened 10 years ago. You're being graded on what you do in the organization. It's a great point. From yeah. From this point forward. Yeah, excellent point. And well, and we can help them, Carolyn, when there is a challenge. That, right? yeah. Now that we you have know. access to the information, we can better apply the employee assistant programs and and things like that to help employees who are in need. Yeah, of can course, we, that appeals to the mother in me. 
And we hear, we hear this from uh, HR executives constantly. Like they have, organizations have spent a ton of money on wellness and assistance programs for their employees. Right. The, cha- yeah. the challenge they have is- Targeting. Get, getting, right, getting the services to the people at the point that they need them. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation and so we can keep it to the point. I'm going to have to wrap us up, but thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah, this, it. This was a, that was like the, th- the thought provoking conversations. They always, uh, <laughs> they get me, I, I had another two hours of thinking to do after this, but <laughs> yeah. that's okay. Exactly. So, and thank you to our audience for joining. Please share um, on your social media platforms and you can join us from our website and from any major podcast platform. So until next week, this has been To The Point Cybersecurity. Be safe, wash your hands, and signing off. (laughs) Bye, you guys. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 